Coming up next on To A New RFM, we'll be talking finance. Stephen Pritchard joining us, joining me, Jane Klein, for Thursday Finance. We will be talking to Henry Jennings, of course, with our market snapshot. We'll also take a look at self-managed super funds and we'll have a look at um, hmm, the Berry scandal. How will that fit in? Find out next on Thursday Finance on 2NURFM. Stephen Pritchard, the berries, the imported berry scandal. Now, just how does that impact on the stock market here in Australia? Uh, well, it's only really impacted on one company, um, Paddy's Foods, which is the, um, um, I don't know whether you call it, manufacturer or packager or whatever you want to call importer. it, of those, importer of those those berries, um, I think the real issue that this brings to light is the fact that the, they're not properly labelled. I mean, Jane, I know, had a look at her package and it says... Um, packaged in Australia from imported fruit. So what does that mean? I mm. mean, people need to be given a choice and it needs to have on the, on the package what country the, the actual products come from as a start. Couldn't we just say whether it's got EPA or not? Well, that'd be a good idea as well. <laughs> and I suppose then you could put a disclaimer on it. So if you catch it, bad luck. <laughs> you could, but that probably, so it has actually affected the, uh, the Oh yeah, the share price has okay. dropped and, and, you know, mm. it's down again this morning. Okay. Not as, not as much as it was previously, but, but it has dropped dramatically. Do they have other strings to their bow? Oh yeah, they make patties, um, pies and party rolls and sausages and nanas, um, Waffle things and all sorts of frozen. I, I didn't actually realise that they were importing berries either. Mm. So a lot of people didn't. Didn't know yeah, either. But, you know, yes. you, need to, you need to be careful and check where the packaging and the country of origin is coming from. And there's a move, of course, to have uh, more detailed oh, uh, I mean, labelling on well, them. I mean, what does man- packed in Australia from imported ingredients mean? And it was probably in microscopic print that you needed a, a magnifying glass, yeah. Mm, exactly. So what's happening, generally speaking? With uh, generally, um, last week, the uh, commodity markets, uh, the gold, the silver price, uh, the copper and the nickel were all down. Um, gold was down by 2%, silver was down by 3%, and nickel was down by 4%. So copper was only down market. So, you know, the commodity markets basically trended down. Um, the Australian dollar was up basically. Um, we're up against the US dollar by about 1%, um, up by Great British Pound about 1%, up against the Chinese currency by 1%, uh, down against the New Zealand dollar for some reason, and up against the Euro and the Canadian dollar. So overall, the, the currency was, was reasonably strong in the last week. Hmm, that's good. And um, the share market's been kind to us as well. Um, the Australian market just seems to be keep going up at the moment, and it's could easily get to 6,000 points in the next couple of weeks. Another landmark. Yeah, another landmark. That'll be interesting. Yeah, so we were, we were 5,877 yesterday, which was up 2.5% on the week. Uh, the Dow Index was up uh, 0.9, the NASDAQ was up 2, and the FTSE and the Nikkei and the Hang Seng were all also up. So, Is there any reason for this? Are we just doing something well in this country? Um, I, I think... To a certain extent, Australia is still seen as a bit of a safe haven. Um, there's a lot of, um, I know in our, our firm, there's a lot of people been showing up wanting to buy uh, certain stocks for um, the yields. 
um, because they're getting less and less on the bank deposits and they see that the bank shares, you know, they're getting 4 and 5, maybe 7% if you're taking into account the franking credit and you're getting 3% on the term deposit. Um, you know, I think that's driving the market. It's not only the bank, there's some of the other high-yielding stocks people are chasing as well. Um, but, you know, they need to be careful about, you know, the capital's guaranteed in a term deposit. Um, it's not guaranteed in the equity market. Mm. Yeah, there's always a risk, isn't there? Even though it may not, the worst may not come to happen. Yeah, mm. and C and um, National Australia Bank's also out at the moment issuing a hybrid security that's probably going to yield around 5%. But mm. people need to be careful of those. The CBA ones that were issued towards the end of the last year are trading below face value, so, mm. you know, you need to be careful about what you're buying. And the oil price was also up. Up? Up. Mm. Yes, up. Mm. Um, West, Te- West Texas was up 7% on the week. And the other one was up 8% on the week. Mm. So that might be reflected at the Bowser? Well, it's interesting. The, Australia, the, um, the prices between Sydney and um, Newcastle are moving together closer. Um, this morning, um, Newcastle's uh, unleaded price was 120 a litre, and Sydney's was 117. Now, when you're away at some stage, they were almost 10 cents apart. Oh, that was amazing to come yeah. back and look at the houses. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, the diesel price is reasonably steady. It hasn't really changed from last week up here, but but it has gone up in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So Sydney prices seem to be going up and we don't seem to be going up for a change. On 2NURFM's Thursday Finance, we will be taking your calls a little bit later on on the stock market, personal investment and taxation. But right now, it's time for our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How's things? Good, good. How's the market going this morning? Well, it's a bit tired, I think, is the answer. We're down 11 points. We were up about 20 to begin with. Um, we had some, uh, some, I guess, relatively uh, benign leads from overseas. So, um, so that was a small positive. But um, I think the, the market's sort of going through um, the results season at the moment, and it's been a, very much a mixed bag. And, and the big theme, I guess, is uh, if you disappoint, you get treated very, very harshly indeed. So um, we are seeing some big moves in individual stocks. But the actual underlying index um, of the um, ASX 200 hasn't moved that much. We're just down 11. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, some of the stocks that, that the profits results were even on expectations, and they've fallen. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. You had things like Seek, which uh, delivered record profits, and they fell 10%. And Coke had the worst profit in eight years, and I think they were up about 8%. So um, it's it's a strange market. It's a, you certainly need to massage the market's expectations, and if you fail to deliver on those expectations, you are dealt with very harshly. Of course, the big thing that drove the market up yesterday was the the big jump in the share price of um, Toll Holdings following the the receipt of the proposed takeover from the the Japanese post office. Yeah, Um, yeah, that was a very big, um, big, big rise indeed yesterday for Toll. They were up about uh, 45-50%. The price the Japanese post are paying for Toll is uh, is a very, very, very um, exy price. Um, Massive premium on uh, where they were trading so they obviously see some value there that uh, local investors and other investors weren't seeing in the business um, toll recently has been pushing quite heavily into the Asian logistics market and it's it's a market that Japan thinks uh, 
that they can tap into and, and, and certainly bulk up their business with. So it, it's an interesting move. Um, and certainly looking at the body language yesterday from uh, from the board and the, uh, the management of Toll, they seem to be set for a very big lunch. Um, it's a Japanese pace that's government-owned, isn't it, actually? Um, yes. It's, I think it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, I think it's one of the, the, the biggest companies in the world. I think it's in the top, top five. It's, it's enormous. Yeah. So. so it's interesting that they're moving to take over an Australian company. I wonder if Australia Post might make a counteroffer. I would think it's highly oh, unlikely. So are they. So are they. Highly unlikely. And if, if they did, it would also be highly unlikely they'd be allowed to. Um, there would be a number of competition issues, um, both being in the parcel delivery space. So I, I can't see that really happening. I suspect that this, you know, with a, with a big brother like Japan Post behind Toll, um, Australia Post are going to become under increasing pressure in their own parcel delivery business, which is the one shining light, I guess, in Australia. Post at the moment, as letters um, are, are pretty much out of fashion unless they're bills. Yeah, well, we seem to still get plenty of those through the mail. Unfortunately, yes. And then yes. one of the darlings of the market last year went into reverse yesterday, was down 23% with the. Yeah, this were we talking Gemworth. Gemworth, yeah, Gemworth. Yeah, this is this is, uh, this is a mortgage insurance business, and and you're right, it was a market darling, and they've recently run from you know three dollars thirty up to about four dollars thirty pre the the announcement. Um, they did go ex dividend yesterday as well, which obviously knocks a little bit off the share price. But the big announcement was that Westpac, um, which was fourteen percent of their mortgage business, are basically taking their mortgage insurance in house. It looks like this this also comes on the heels of Westpac pulling the pin on Oz Forex as well. So it looks like Westpac are, are taking a lot of their um, kind of outsourced business back under their own umbrella. So a um, big shock for uh, for Gemworth uh, and the stock absolutely got um, caned yesterday down basically a dollar. Um, so yeah, big 20% fall in, uh, in Gemworth yesterday and no real sign of recovery today either. Well, I wouldn't, you know, until people work out what effect it's going to have on the profits and dividends, I think that, that you know, no one's going to um, bid the price up again. No, no, I wouldn't have thought so. There's also some, there's some stories around that uh, maybe the parent of, of the, uh, the U.S. parent of the company also would be interested in selling their uh, stake in the business. So, again, uh, not much, uh, not much in the bull camp there. Yes, and then Arium also had its half-year results yesterday, or formerly one steel. Yes, one yes. more like half steel these days. Half steel, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, uh, wrote off a large amount of money on their uh, iron ore business, and of course they have been um, very much uh, affected by the, the, the absolute uh, mahullering that the iron ore price has had um, down to sort of that uh, these low sort of $60 levels which we've seen. So they've been a big casualty and a share price that was, you know, not long ago. <laughs> um, you know, above a dollar is now trading at that sort of 20 cent level. So it seems only, you know, only last year I had clients selling out of this stock at a dollar 40. And here we are at 21 cents. So, um, so it just shows you how leveraged, especially the smaller players are to the, uh, the iron ore price. And we might just come back to you in a minute after this short break. 
This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners and we will be asking for your calls. If you've got something you'd like to know on the stock market, personal investment and taxation, then as soon as we've finished our market snapshot, we'll be happy to hear from you. And the number to ring in, 49216216. But Stephen, it's uh, back to you and Henry Jennings. So, of course, the one bright spot with Arium seems to be the old steel business. Um, yeah, ironic, really, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it is ironic, yes. I mean, they, they they were trying to get out of the steel business and into the iron ore business, or at least sort of um, become a, a one-stop shop. And, and and the iron ore business was was shown as the you know thrown up as the growth business, and then it's uh, turned very much uh, the other way around. So, yeah, it's uh, an interesting uh, irony, I guess. That's right. And then, of course, one of those the, the stocks that we um, that had a profit rise of 17%, and then the, the price fell was um, Benio Bank. Yes, I mean, I guess this just shows you. Uh, it just, show, I guess, that the real problem with all these banks is they've run so hard, so fast, um, and they've all done exceptionally well, and they're very much the top end of their range. Any kind of disappointment or uh, shooting under expectations, they do tend to get punished quite uh, severely and we did see that a little bit with um with even with ANZ mm, which um, mm. which got punished um, and we certainly saw it with uh, with Bendigo that topped out at sort of 14.30 and have lost about a dollar since then after the announcement so um you know, despite lifting half year cash by about 11% which was pretty good um, and uh, the dividend being raised to around 33 cents so I, you know I suspect that um, once they regroup they will uh, push higher again uh, merely on the back of the yield argument but uh, you know we have seen ANZ and CBA as well um, when they went ex-dividend that, that impetus to uh, to buy the shares sort of dissipates a little bit Yes, yes I, I think I think that's right and you know um, and perhaps our expectations are, perhaps the market expectations are too high as well well, I th- you know, I think at the end of the day, um, I've always said to uh, to people, you buy the banks, you die with the banks, but um, every now and then they do sort of undershoot and underperform a little bit. But at the end of the day, it is really very much all about the yield, um, and it's very hard to uh, to find that kind of um, bond-like yield um, anywhere else around the place. Um, most of these banks are AAA rated, obviously Bendigo not, but uh, the, the, the big four are, so, um, you know, it is very much a sort of a safest houses. Um, certainly that's where their growth is coming from, but um, you know, there's not much growth elsewhere, so they are, they are boring but um, good yields. And speaking of grey stocks, Certex Medical announced its profit was up by 58% for half year. They did. They had a, a very good result. Uh, this, is, this has been an, an amazing ride for, for punters. I've got a client that bought them at 7 bucks, and he's still there, and they're 30, uh, 34 bucks or something today. So um, they did have a little, they have had a little bit of a pullback today, but uh, you know, it's one of the, the great Australian biotech uh, stories, I guess, in terms of uh, success. So um, it, it, it's nice to, nice to see because we do have um, a sort of a litany of, of biotech that, um, that fall by the wayside, but this one has, um, has been spectacular. Um, now, I think the market cap's about $2 billion, so um, it's uh, not, not, not too shabby at all. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I thought was a bit worrying buried in the announcement was that they were going to look at diversif- diversifying. I mean, that's mm. always a worrying sign. I mean, I, I would have thought there's plenty of increased market share they could have with their existing business without looking at acquisitions and diversifying. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's always a concern if you're a one-product company and you're, you know, if your your treatment is for liver cancer, um, you know, if, if some better treatment comes out from somebody else, then you have put all your eggs in one basket. So I guess it's as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you, you probably want to transform into a, a multi-product company. So you know, maybe that's just a prudent uh, a thing they're doing. But uh, it, I guess it all depends what they buy, how much they pay, uh, or yeah. what other drugs come along that they think they can uh, bring to market. Yeah, that's right. And of course, another media stock disappoints with Seven West Media results. Yeah, right yeah, off. Uh, big write off again um, on their um, on their, their TV and print assets. So um, it's it's kind of a familiar story. We also had Fairfax came out this morning with their numbers, um, and you know they've they've announced the buyback, but um, you know they're still saying they've got serious problems in their print side of things. And I think you know it's uh, it's, it's a theme that Seven. Uh, talked about yesterday and Fairfax talking about today so I think there's still some issues with uh, free-to-air TV and there's still some issues with uh, with print media as well so I think uh, on the free-to-air TV I mean I noticed they they actually started to roll out the MBN um, up here around Hamilton the roads are getting dug up but you know the MBN's going to be able to deliver a lot more range of pay-on-demand video services so that that can only hurt the free TV operators as well well, it can, and then you've got people like uh, the new service Stan, you've got Netflix, you've got QuickFlix, you're probably going to have SlowFix and something else Flix. Um, so, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of competition now for uh, for the advertising dollar um, and with these pay subscription services, uh, and that, that's not even looking at uh, things like Foxtel. Mm. So um, it, it's a very competitive space trying to uh, capture the nation's eyeballs and turning them into dollars. Yep. Anyhow... Um, we don't have that problem here at 2NURFM. We've got people just queuing up to listen. Well, and you're probably not attracting their eyeballs either. So. No, that's right. Just, just their ears. Good, good looking and, and, and handsome and rugged as you are, uh, I, sus- I suspect that uh, radio is your forte. I'm sure you're right, Henry. <laughs> Thank you for today's market snapshot, Henry, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thursday, finance and Stephen Pritchard. Self-managed superannuation funds, what is one of these? Well, self-managed super funds is a bit of a hot topic at the moment. They're being um, heavily marketed by certain advisors and um, people. I mean, basically, they're a superannuation fund that you run yourself. Um, You know, you've got um, the public office superannuation funds, which are usually run by um, large financial institutions, um, you've got the industry funds, which are run by a combination of the union representatives representing employees and usually employer representatives, and the, the trustee boards are usually about um, um, 50-50 um, representation. Um, you've got um, the old corporate superannuation funds, which were run by the companies, um, the, the employers, um, they're becoming less and less common as um, the cost of running these. And, and they were usually a good deal because the employer usually subsidised those, the cost of running them. But as the costs have risen, they're, they're you know, shutting those down and progressively transferring members to the, the industry fund or the um, the public offer fund. And, of course, you've got the government funds, which are in a category of their own, um, which is all sorts of complications in government funds and, and some of the old government funds were an absolute goldmine which 
you know, you'd get this index pension for life and no one in the private sector could compete, but the government shut most of those down now. And, of course, you've got the self-managed super funds when you, where you run themselves. So there's a whole raft of superannuation products out there and the self-managed superannuation funds um, may, may sit some people. Okay, so what kind of people are they? Well, I shouldn't say what kind of people, but people in what kind of situation would appreciate Well, well, well traditionally the, the self-managed superannuation funds, when, when, um, back when I was a junior accountant, um, the people who had self-managed superannuation funds, as back then they were called 23F funds, it was employer-sponsored funds, tended to be people in business and, and um, who worked themselves like doctors and uh, dentists and, you know, the, the local carpenter and the tradesmen. But what's happened over time, the, the people who have had, you know, they've gone through various name changes um, and they're becoming more main, mainstream. Um, and, and the big driver for self-managed superannuation funds is that people feel that they want to be in control of their own money. A self-managed super fund, to the extent you comply with the regulations, let you be in control of your own money and lets you select your own investments. Is that always a good idea? Um, it depends. The, 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 the statistics that are available, um, depending on which source you believe, say some say they outperform the public offer funds and others and the, the other type of funds, and, and others say the returns about the same. I think it depends on the individual who's the trustees, which are the individual members um, who are running the fund, um, how diligent they are. Um, if, if there, there is a bit of work involved in running the funds, and if you don't particularly like doing that um, and you can't just uh, hand the shoebox to your accountant or whoever, you mean you've got to keep proper records because the fund has to actually be audited. Um, if you're not prepared to do that, the self-managed superannuation fund's definitely not for you. Um, but if, on the other hand, you're prepared to do that and you, you want to have particular assets in the fund, um, some commercial property or you want to run your own share portfolio or um, things like that, um, they're, they're a valuable option for you. So do you need to be an expert if you want to be in that situation, an expert on the stock market? and? Uh, not really. It, it depends. I mean, we've got a range of clients that we've got self-managed, have got self-managed superannuation funds, and you know we provide um, different services to to those type of clients. Um, some clients like to do everything themselves. Others, you know, it ranges from doing everything themselves, um, and we've got a couple who just put the money into term deposits at the at the at the the local financial institution and you, you can tell them that you know they'd be better off putting it in a retirement savings account um, which is a similar special type of super and just invests in bank deposits basically um, but no they don't want to do that they still want to have control and pick whether the term deposit goes into the NAB or the Westpac or whoever and whether it's for six months or six months. So it's really up if the individual has to do a bit of work and wants to have some input. To NURFM's Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard talking about self-managed super funds. So we've talked about what they are and who they're suited to, but um, what are some of their advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, I mean, they have got... Um, so the advantage is the major advantage is it provides you flexibility um, in respect of um, your investment options. You, you've got a lot of, provided you draft the investment strategy correctly. Um, you, you could, there's a wide range of investment options you can invest in. I mean, you can invest in commercial property, um, residential property, um, listed unlisted shares, managed funds, um, gold bullion if you if you wanted to. Um, a, a lot of it. 
assets that aren't available in the public offer fund or a um, industry fund for that matter. Um, some of the disadvantages are, you know, a relatively small fund will be more expensive to run than than a larger fund because there's a certain amount of fixed costs involved. You have to have to get an annual audit done by an independent auditor. You've got to prepare a set of accounts that comply with the accounting standards. Um, so a fund that's only got you know a hundred thousand dollars in, you might find it's costing you three percent of your assets per year to run. Whereas a public offer fund for that amount of money is probably sub one percent, depending on which fund. But you know, if you if you if you think that you know you put a hundred, you've got a hundred thousand in this year, and you, you gain to over the next few years to uh, build up the assets in the fund, it still may be worthwhile. One of the big disadvantages, though, is the time that it, that involved in attending to the paperwork and the processes that need to, to be done. Now, on the 1st of July last year, the penalty regime was significantly um, increased for people who don't comply with the um, regulations. Now, usually your accountant or, or advisor can keep you on the straight and narrow, so to speak, but, but some clients just won't listen. And just as a news item came across my uh, iPhone in the... Um, uh, break there that um, someone's been prosecuted for the first time under the new penalty regimes and they didn't get a custodial sentence but they've got an 80 hours community service order and it's basically for failing to lodge their income tax returns for the super fund over a few years. So the penalty regime is being um, tightened up and there are custodial sentences possible now for the worst offences. Mm. So you need to be aware that if you're going to take this on, um, you need to pay a bit of attention and not, not three years' time think, oh, I'd better lodge my super fund return and get it all up today. Make sure it's done. And, and the other thing, of course, if the tax office decides that it becomes a non-complying fund, you risk losing half the balance of the fund in um, penalty taxes. Mm. So the penalties can be quite severe um, for... Um, not, not doing it according to the rules. Yeah, and, and in the past they've been reasonably lenient, and it's only been, you know, blatant uh, in things like this, this that where the real penalties have been imposed. But the, the new penalty regime is there. So how do you set one up? Uh, relatively easy. Um, you need to decide who the trustees are. You need to get a trustee um, that complies with the regulations. Um, the trustees sign the trustee. You lodge um, various forms with the Australian Taxation Office to get an ABN number and elections to um, become a regulated superannuation fund. Um, that, Depending on the time of the year, that can take um, a few weeks. So... If you've got some urgent transaction that you need to do next week, it probably won't be able to be done. So you need to do a bit of planning. So I think ahead. Yeah. And one of the big issues is who should be the trustees. Um, we always recommend that you have a separate company to be the trustee. Um, one of the principal reasons for that is if you, you require um, all the members have to be trustees. Now, if something happens to one of the members, they pass away. Um, the fund can actually be frozen until probate's granted. Um, so the fund gets locked up if you've got individual trustees while probate's granted. Or if you change the trustees for whatever reason, um, you have to then transfer all the assets into the names of the two trustees, which can be quite an expensive exercise. So the price of $500 to acquire a corporate trustee and you know the ongoing annual filing fees, I think that's $50 now, is well worth it to acquire it.
mm. a corporate trustee for your super fund. So what are approximate setting up costs? Um, by the time you take the, the, you know, a corporate trustee, uh, the cost of the trustee, um, all the registration requirements, I would, I would suggest it's around $2,000. Mm. Self-managed super funds. Well, thank you for Thursday Finance today, Stephen Pritchard. Thank you, Jane. And we do it for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. Checking the weather for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, for new Subaru, Honda, Volkswagen and Isuzu Ute. Partly cloudy today, slight chance of showers, and currently we have 26 degrees at Cooks Hill. Coming up, we've got the news in two and a half minutes' time at one o'clock, and then Julian Campbell will be along with Business, the Law and You. On to NURFM as we head there with Tom Pace.